welcome to Redefining Alpha, a podcast series for sales leaders. I'm one of your hosts, Frida Odeson, VP of US Sales at Cognizant. I'll be interviewing a range of forward-thinking sales leaders on how and why B2B buying behavior has changed, and we'll be unpacking why these trends are important for outbound. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. I'm here today with Anjali Mullins, who's the CCO at Resourceify. Anjali, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Frida. Nice to be here. Awesome. Um, to kick things off, like, can you please introduce yourself to the listeners? Who are you? Sure. I- So I'm the commercial leader at Resourceify. We are a waste operations and recycling platform. So we're basically digitizing the whole world of waste. So we basically take trash and turn it into treasure, which is very exciting. Um, Prior to this, I was also CMO and CGO at a B2B MarTech company called Latana in Berlin. And then before that, quite a a history career. Started at Amazon, did international expansion, then rolled out SaaS platform at Intuit, and then also worked with GoDaddy. Um, to help IPO the company. So a lot of years in tech and focus on marketing, sales, customer support, and international expansion and go-to-market. Wow, very cool. That sounds um, super interesting. Like Resourceify, um, how long has it been around? Since 2018. So still a startup. We actually raised our Series A in September, so 14 million. We're very proud of it, especially in this economic climate. And we're on our scaling journey. All right. Amazing. Congrats. That's super exciting. Um, So with your sort of vast experience in tech, I'm curious to hear from you because I'm sure you've seen it all. You've you've seen the movie before. Um, What does redefining outbound mean to you? What does redefining outbound mean to you? Uh, Outbound. (laughs) Outbound. My goodness. So many companies are actually transitioning to outbound at the moment because they think that inbound is too expensive. Um, redefining outbound with the series of AI that's happening at the moment, I think there's a big question is what happens to our BDRs and SDRs? Um, what happens to the sequencing? Can it be automated? What's the difference between just doing your sequencing and putting it out there and what I call critical thinking? So redefining outbound is all about does this type of channel, will it be something that is strategic in the future or is it something that is just going to be, I would say, task-based. And I think that's what a lot of sales leaders are looking at at the moment, especially with so many AI tools happening. Ah, super interesting. And I'm curious, like, are you leaning, leaning towards one of those? Like, what do you personally think? Um, for me, I, I know that AI has been a topic that has been on top of many commercial leaders' minds at the moment. There's tons of AI tools out there. For me, AI is great, but we cannot forget the the whole concept of critical thinking and critical thinking and making sure that we actually use our brains and put our brains together for strategic outcomes is something that I feel is slipping. We feel like there's a tool that can do everything for us instead of really thinking about the customer and how we relate to them. And that really needs to happen first. So I just want to make sure AI tools are great but I really want to make sure that we don't lose that art of critical thinking. And right now we're on the AI wave, which is fine, but I think that we really need to take a step back and look at a bigger picture. Mm, Yeah. Great point. Um, I can tell from your LinkedIn that, um, you know, one of your sort of passion areas is leadership. Um, I'd love to dive into that a little bit more with you. So um, for you having seen through so many different types of, of companies in different stages, 
what leader uh, what leadership qualities um, sort of differentiate those who work in a startup or scale up versus a more large enterprise company? Do you have any specific qualities that you've seen? Sure, that's the big question. So leaders who are in startups and scale ups, we tend to have to be more nimble, more adaptable, have to work in a faster pace. Um, we have to know how to work with people of all different skill sets because in scale ups, sometimes you get super experienced individuals and sometimes you get individuals that are right out of school or people that are changing careers. In a huge multinational corporate, you're usually dealing with huge teams. And so that becomes more how you maneuver projects and it becomes more political, um, where in startups, it's really more execution based and how you're getting to the next milestones. So in startups, you have your 1 million, 5 million ARR, and then the holy grail of 10 million is the big milestone. And then you keep scaling 50 and 100 from there. In big multinational corporations and enterprises, it's more about how you maneuver departments and teams to work together. Once you are leading a team that's a thousand people or more, you actually find that things become slower and you find that interdepartmental communication and collaboration is really what's making or breaking your teams. Same can be said it's scale ups, but it's just multiplied on a massive scale with these big enterprises. So the type of leader that you need is really very different at different stages of your growth. Mm. Yeah. Super interesting. And do you think one person can have all those or do you normally see one person better at one or the other? It depends on the person. I mean, myself, I came from large enterprises and then decided that I really like the speed and the nimbleness of scale ups. So it really is about what the person chooses to want. I think there's different different types of attributes and strengths that can work. So if you're great at project management, big multinational corporates is good for you. If you're really, really good at execution, maybe scale-ups might be better for you. But everybody's on their own growth journey as a leader. And so you exemplify different strengths at different times in your career. So maybe at a certain point in your career, you're great for huge companies, maybe at a different point in your career, you're really great at scale-ups. And then also within the scale-up community, there's different levels of scale-ups. So seed in series A and then series B and, you know, your growth journey series C and then series D and, and, and IPO pre-IPO. So it's all about the person and their growth journey and in what they want to exemplify at that moment. Yeah, super interesting. And so I think one thing that we all have in common right now, whether it's, you know, you're at a large enterprise company or a small startup is uh, the current economic climate. Um, so are there any specific sort of qualities or traits do you think good leaders should have right now considering that? A strategic mindset and an execution oriented mindset. So strategic mindset, because so many companies, whether they get funding or not, are not managing their burn correctly and really not looking around the corner and making the decisions that need to be made so that the company can either extend its cash runway or the company can really manage the cash that it has to get to the next level, whether that's profitability or whether that is the next stage of their growth if they wanna go the, the VC or the PE route. Um, the other piece is the execution piece, especially in the scale-up community, and it doesn't matter if you're at a seed series A or you're a series D company, the, the failure to execute right away and the postponement of key initiatives is what really drives a lot of companies into the ground in this economic climate. And there's a lot of different reports out there talking about the cash runway of different companies. And a lot of companies are only at one year or less of cash runway, which means that usually they're making very drastic decisions in order to extend that cash. 
uh, because of their burn and their burn multiples. So strategy and execution. All right. Uh, I love it. And so drilling into that strategy piece a little bit more, um, what three pieces of advice would you give to commercial leaders that are listening right now um, in terms of like best way to drive profitability or get as close as possible or sort of extend that runway? Mm -hmm. Number one, really know your client, your customer, and really make sure that your product market fit is defined. As simplistic as that might sound, there's so, especially in the scale-up community, there's so many different companies that think they have product market fit, but then find out that they don't, and then they try to scale it, and then that's when things break down. So really making sure you have your product market fit defined. Part of that is a commercial exercise. Part of that is a product exercise and probably across the entire company. Um, the next piece is really making sure that you are executing the right strategic initiatives. So just like I said in the, in the last answer, make sure you have your plan and work the plan. A lot of times, especially in the scale-up community, founders and CEOs, they want to pivot a plan every quarter because they don't give enough time for that plan to take fruition or to show results. And then the act of pivoting every quarter, what happens, nothing gets done. And so you have all these new projects and you end up running through your teams. The teams are burning out. You're not getting any progress. And I've seen it so many times, time and time again, um, in this startup scale-up community. The next thing commercial leaders really need to think about is how to create what I call a predictable and repeatable revenue engine. So not just index on something just because it's customized for a particular cohort of clients that can bring in fresh new ARR, but really making sure that you're setting up your organization, especially your commercial teams, for scalable and predictable revenue. What does that mean? Find your PMF and find your go-to-market, that sweet spot that you can keep churning over, over and over again. Even if it's smaller ACVs, even if you're getting smaller ARR in the door, if you can show a breadth and a variety of unit growth, that's something that investors will like and that will show that you have a repeatable and predictable process and that's what it's all about in this economy. Got it. So would you say it's about like doing more with less in a sense? It's not about doing more with less. It's about picking the right things to do. And so a lot of times scale-ups want to do everything. And I've seen scale-ups that are Series A and Series B and they have five products. Why do they have five products? Why are they not drilling down to the one or two that are the winners and then really scaling there and then taking the ARR wins and then using that to maybe float the third product or the fourth product line? So we don't have to do more with less if we make the right decisions and efficient decisions to scale our ARR growth I wouldn't say correctly, but in a scalable way, because there's many different paths to get there. But I think a lot of times what happens in the scale-up community is people, they just scramble to find any kind of ARR growth instead of really seeing like what the product market fit defines and also what can be repeatable and predictable. And that's when you have efficiency. And if you have efficiency, then you can actually scale faster um, and you don't have to do more with less. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, such a good perspective because I think so many people right now out there are focused on, you know, doing more with less um, and maybe sometimes at an expense of like actually really focusing. Um, so that's a, that's a really good point. Uh, I like that. Are there any other common pitfalls or mistakes that you see leaders do on this topic? I'd say on the demand gen front, um, I just gave a speech on this at SaaS Talk in Dublin all about 
the demand gen engine and usually it runs like a cycle. They say, get in leads, help the sales department. And so they spend a bunch of money and they get in leads and you have a curve. And then they're like, oh my gosh, the leads don't match our ICP and it drops down and the budgets go down. And then you need something in this graph that goes up and down. And a lot of scale-ups do this on the demand gen side as well. And they think it's just a performance marketing exercise and put everything out there. And then they blow through huge amounts of budgets and figure out that they didn't really progress the needle. So again, it all comes back to knowing your client, knowing the client fit with the actual product, making sure that you're setting up processes and also go-to-market commercial motions to scale those things. And so what I'm saying is very conventional, but it's amazing to me how many startups um, are not following the conventional wisdom. Yeah, 100%. And I think one thing that came up when I spoke to Devin Reed, he was on the podcast a few episodes ago, um, he also talked about aligning marketing to revenue, right? And not just like a lead goal, because uh, then exactly what you're describing is, is going to happen. But if, you, if you're all aligned to that revenue goal, you can avoid some of that, hopefully. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. So as a CCO, like what are some of your current challenges and, and opportunities right now? Um, what are you focused on? Sure. So, I mean, we just closed our Series A, which is super exciting at Resourceify. So right now it's really about the scaling motion, which is exciting for us, especially in this economic climate. We're looking to entering new markets. Um, we're in a really interesting space. So waste management and recycling, it's a space that touches everybody. Uh, something I didn't know is 70% of the waste in all of Europe is actually produced by companies and not, not by households. Mm -hmm. And the whole market is not digitized. So we're in a really exciting moment on how to scale. And I would say that we're quite lucky and fortunate to be able to think about our scaling motion right now. So that's what I'm focused on, hiring in the right people, making sure that the organization, and especially in the commercial side, is really set up for that. Um, so it's very exciting to be in that space because I know a lot of commercial leaders in other scale-ups across Europe are facing different challenges. They're downsizing teams, they're cutting product lines. Um, so we're really excited and I'm very, I would say, very happy to be able to look at a scaling motion, uh, especially now. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and so as you're focusing on that growth or and scaling, uh, I'm curious coming from sort of like, um, you know, helping revenue orgs uh, book more meetings, basically essentially what we do. Like how can someone from a sales team book a meeting with you right now? You know, I think there's a debate on uh, LinkedIn messaging. I get a lot of these days, SDRs, they send me the really nice video prospecting where they do the video and they do the whiteboarding and they send um, that out. Um, one of the best SDR um, outreaches I ever got was actually from an SDR from Gong. He took an article that I wrote years ago, took some subject lines and some different quotes from the article and spun it back. And then the way that they actually wrote, it, I was like, wow, this guy actually took the time to research. And I was so impressed um, with that piece of outreach that I responded and I said, OK, I'll book a meeting with you. So I know that um, there is debate on sending notes through LinkedIn. You know, is it still relevant? I think it is. Um, and definitely, if you want to get a meeting with me, I would say uh, try to ping me and make something relevant. Yeah, and impress you. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. All right. So as 2023 draws to a close, which I can't imagine, like, I can't believe it's Q4 uh, already, which is crazy. I think it's like eight weeks left of the year. I don't know how that happened. 
Um, what is something you recommend other sales and revenue or commercial leaders to start, stop doing, um, and also continue as we're going into 2024? Well, I mean, start the planning for growth in 2024. It seems many companies, of course, usually would start that in Q3 into Q4. But again, there's many scale-ups that don't start till they come back to their office in January. So I would say start for that now, especially if you need to hire people, especially if there's strategic initiatives, if you're looking at international expansion, start all of that now. Continue to think about what are going to be the big needle drivers for the business. Don't lose sight of what will move the business forward. A lot of leaders just want to go towards quarterly OKRs. That's fine, but make sure that you're keeping your eye on the bigger picture. So that's something I would recommend to keep doing. Um, to stop, I would say stop doing micro tasks that don't move the needle. And I think a lot of us in leadership can get really bogged down in these micro tasks. And when you take a step back, are these effective? Do they help revenue? Do they help the company? And I would say maybe 50% of those tasks probably don't. So I would say really take a good hard long look because the tasks that you create as a leader and those OKRs that reverberate across the organization, it affects everyone. So really just take this time to reflect to make sure that you are doing the right things. Awesome. That's such a good uh, words of wisdom. And I think uh, like sales leaders like or leaders in general like to feel busy. We want to be busy. And sometimes we just do a lot of tasks at the expense of that focus that you've talked about. So um, yeah, really great words of wisdom. And thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast, Anjali. Love having you. Yeah, thanks, Frida. Nice to be here.